0: Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Maniac. It's just me right now, and that's okay. And today, as you know, we're going to be going back to raw, real monsters, and we're going to be talking about goblins with GM Tim which has several goblin modules, which you can find links to in the show notes. But before that, we'll do an iTunes review. This one's titled A Dungeon Novice's Admiration, 5 stars, from AXZ777. So I've always wanted to play D&D, but never had or found anyone to play with. I recently discovered that a friend of mine used to play with his brothers and missed it. So for his birthday, I decided to create a one-shot for him. And since I can't tell him it's for his birthday and ask for help, I've had to learn 5e by myself, and you guys have given me great ideas and well-rounded foundation to do so with. So thank you. And we're going to give a special shout out to AXD777's friend, Ryan, aka Spanish. So thank you for that review. And with the review out of the way, before we head to the meet, I'm going to talk about the new material we have for Patreon. If you're a gold dragon or up, head on over to the Patreon where you can get what I just made and posted, which is a new goblin for you to use in your game. And I made it and I called it the Dismemberment Goblin. And they have such fun things like hack tactics. So if you're interested in that, definitely head over to the Patreon and check out what is there. But with that out of the way, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Yeah. Why can't we have some meat? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. So, today on The Meat, we have a very special guest, a good friend of mine... I don't know how anyone could spend that much time in a castle together and not be great friends. And our guest today is the GM, Tim, who is a level four DM and DM trainer for Baldman Games, the GM of the Loose Ends D&D podcast, and GM for Hire. And recently, he has informed me that he is currently running nine games across at least four different systems. And then I had to pick the pieces of my brain back up.
1: Hello. Tim, welcome. <laughs> yes. Yeah, nine games. It's, uh, it's insane. It's not the wisest decision, but you know what? It works and I love it.
0: That I could not ask for any more. So like we do with all of our guests, though, we're going to do a little bit of an interview section and I get to kick it off with my favorite question because it is so open-ended. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Ah, okay. Uh, I live in Vancouver in the West Coast of Canada and I'm an oddly proud Canadian and I love to run games and... I think that role-playing is that beautiful way of telling a story, being creative, and totally being able to be an adult and be silly all at the same time. It's the only time that age doesn't matter in any way, shape, or form. You can connect with somebody who's 8, and you can connect with somebody who's 90, and they can all play the same game.
0: It's beautiful. That's awesome. So I have a question, and that is, is there anything you're currently working on that I will always put the caveat that you can tell us about?
1: Hmm. Uh, yeah, I can tell you about things because I'm not under a whole bunch of NDAs. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> there. I refuse Kay. to sign I them. I
1: have. <laughs> I have my DAs. <laughs> ah. Yes. Yeah. yeah that was I like really it. Really bad. I'm sorry. I am uh, working on new goblin games. So I actually run. I my first published module was. So you want to be a goblin, and it's part of the "I Am Goblin" and "So Can You" series. So I'm running, I'm working on number two and three right now. And I hope to be out actually by the time this airs, (laughs) go take a look on GM's Guild.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, definitely. And if, if it is, we will definitely have links in the show Mm -hmm. notes, but of course that, I mean, I I feel like maybe that's why we're having you on to talk all about goblins. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. So my second favorite portion of this is, so we always have a surprise question for our guests and I went, scoured the internet. And I found this one that I thought would be very interesting. Mm. What age do you wish you could permanently be? 28. Okay. 28. Yeah. Why?
1: Because nobody treats you like you're too old yet. And nobody treats you like you're too young yet. It's this weird medium age where you mm-hmm. can just kind of sit there and everyone guesses older or younger, but nobody really says anything.
0: I like it. Yes. Okay. So we've got that out of the way. But yes, that's a perfect answer. And as always, Patreon supporters. If you head over to the Patreon, you can always add more questions for our guests. But I'll I'll answer them. (laughs) Done. All of them. So, with that, though, we are going to jump right into talking about goblins. And, I mean, you've already alluded to it. I think you might be a bit of an expert on the topic.
1: I take that as a compliment, (laughs) sir.
0: (laughs) Perfect. The question I have for both of us is what is your experience with goblins, I guess, both past present kind of just get a feel for where we're at.
1: Mm, okay, so for me, my first kind of experience with goblins was always like the background. They were always the background values. They were always the minions. They were always the downs. They were always just kind of like there, as in like a standard goblin, right? You'd always have goblin in every fantasy sort of genre that exists. There's always goblins. They're always inherently evil. And they're always like just stupid grunts. Yep. Then I realized how dumb that was. So I changed it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you because they were—they definitely background. I mean, even even if you want to step outside of D and D, I feel like they have that role in media as well. I mean, yeah. if you think about like most of Lord of the Rings, which, you know, obviously that's a a bit of a precursor to Dungeons and Dragons, but like they're just goblins.
1: Do you know Lord of the Rings isn't part of the uh, books that Gygax credits?
0: It's not. He did not like them. I have to. Personally. I have
1: to double check that, but it's not. I don't think it's part of the. Oh it's yeah, and the appendix N. The end. The
0: Nth appendix or
1: the yeah
0: appendix N that he had in the yeah, original yeah. one.
1: It's <gasps> not part of that. I don't think. You
0: know, now that you mention it, I don't know that they are. I think it's only maybe the Hobbit and not yeah. the Lord of the Rings. Oh, learn something new Sorry, right out totally, the gate. Totally no, tentative. we're good. Um, so I feel like the kind of mentality has shifted in Fifth Edition. You know, obviously they're a playable race and there's just so much deep lore. I mean, but I feel like that's a, that's kind of a shift for 5th edition. How do you think that goblins have changed for the latest, greatest D&D edition?
1: Actually, I don't think it was 5th that changed it, to be honest. Okay, Uh, hit me. Yeah, so my, my thought is that it's actually Eberron that did it.
0: Because Everon was the
1: first game, the first setting to truly give goblins their own kind of area, and it didn't just give one; it gave two possible sort of bad guy where creatures could live and and work and stay and stuff, right? So, so you have drome and you have Dargoon. And Dargoon is completely run by hobgoblins, goblins, and and uh, bugbears. And then you've got Drome, which is run by three hags, and they have all the baddies. So if there's a goblin tribe that manages to stay alive, then power to them. But I would say Eberron was where it kind of, like, started to shift. And especially because uh, Eberron challenged all the alignments. So no longer was good and evil a thing, right? You could have a cleric who is evil. So you can have a gold dragon who's evil now, and you can have a goblin who's not.
0: Ah, the best way to kill a party. Pretty
1: much. It's amazing. And then, in, and then the current stuff, I would say Chult is where things started shifting again because they tied into like the uh, tribes. That's actually how I started with my goblin game. Was so that uh, I had one of the one of the paid games that I've got. The guys wanted to play goblins. They're like, "Oh my God, awesome. can we all be goblins?" I'm like, "Yes, you can." Of course, duh. So, so, yeah. Right. So, so we tried to figure out how we're going to do that. So to do that, I had to create. Uh, we had to create a culture because. Like what's in the book is like, what, a paragraph, two paragraphs?
0: Yeah, and it does. I mean, even the and so I was read it, reading up on it again to make sure that I was fresh on the new stuff. And the thing that I was kind of surprised about was that even the race entry is still kind of heavily focused on the idea of them as villains. It does give a lot in terms of their their structure and how they would approach life, if you will. But it was still very – Tribal and not nice, I guess yep. we'll go with.
1: <laughs> so so we, well, I I guess I, decided to change that. So the guys wanted to play goblins. Um, because of SRD, I had to make sure that I rewrote some of it. Mm-hmm. So I created new goblins, and they're called Batari. Nice. And uh, they live by water, so they have nature and survival checks are bonus when you're next to a large body of water. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, and they can sail, because these guys wanted to go on a boat.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yep. So uh, then we gave them, like, we gave them the first mission that we ever ran with them was a the first game that I have, where you actually go out and you create your tribal map. So okay. you, you go to the different, so you're assigned by your goblin tribe to go out and it's like a, it's your bar mitzvah, it's a goblin bar mitzvah. You're, you're becoming an adult in the tribe as long as you've survived the night. And you have X amount of time, so there's no long rests. And it's a two hour oh. adventure, and you just go from encounter to encounter, and then you've got to collect things from the monsters you kill. And if you survive the last one, which is a hard encounter,
0: then you've done it. And
1: you get to go back, and you get to describe your mask, and then you go from there. But you've created your own sort of tribal community just by doing that as a group. So no matter who plays or where, you're always going to end up with a different tribe. Oh.
0: That's so good. I feel like, you know, I know we've mentioned tribe a lot and I feel like it's a really important piece to goblin culture and you can really go, I feel like people go pretty far one end of the spectrum or the other in that, you know, your tribe is is your tribe and that's all there is to it and everything ties back to that or you go really hard against it because you don't want to be in that structure. You don't want to do the things essentially that someone else is telling you you need to do. So you kind of go against that, which, you know, that is always rife for stealing and having your tribe show up and try and kill all the party members, of course.
1: Well, so last night I was literally talking to one of the players of this game. We were talking about his character, and I'm like, so I feel like I feel like you're having problems with development. He's like, well, yeah, so I just realized the other day that I put all of my focus on the tribe was my life as far as my character is concerned. And now, I have no tribe. I just have this little group of people. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know what... So, my character is lost. So, all I'm doing right now is fighting because I'm angry and lost. I'm like, okay, I get it. We'll work through it. good. So, he's actually working through exactly that. His character is trying to figure out... He's figuring out in-game with his character who his character is going to be...
0: Yeah, like, are these people my tribe? Do I need that same type of relationship? Do I need something new and different, or nothing at all?
1: Yeah, because we're we're playing in Eberron. Actually, that that'll be you can watch you can watch us play. Actually, we play oh. stream.
0: Well, there you go. So we've kind of talked a lot about goblins and all things goblins, but what is a way for people to introduce goblins into their homebrew world? I mean, obviously there's the, they always have been, they are that background, but I think bringing more or shining a brighter light on goblins in some way so that they aren't just, I mean, yeah, because I think we don't want anything to just be a bag of hit points. I mean, I think the old, the old, I mean, the guys that are at my table got me into it when it was second edition and they had already been playing for a while. So the troll was really just a bag of a hundred gold guaranteed, right? And you see it walking in the street, and you're like, that thing's 100 gold. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go get my gold. And I think elevating goblins above a bag of hit points or um, the way to get from level 1 to 2 is definitely what we want to think about.
1: I would say that your best way to bring goblins into a game is to do it unexpectedly. That's my favorite way anyways. So instead of having some NPC or some street rat be some cute widow kid who's just trying to steal a food mister, make it a goblin character. Mm-hmm. Throw in that little goblin who just needs to grab the apple to eat and, and have the players have to react. Or have the goblin be... My personal favorite is I, I built Kurtz. He's a, an NPC kind of in waiting. He's a goblin crime lord. Ooh. He's like essentially Tony... Toni- uh, He's essentially from the Sopranos. <laughs> like oh, that's so like, good. You know, like he's he's totally calm. Uh, he's Kingpin. He's totally oh, calm. Okay. he's totally chill and they haven't made him angry yet. So he's been reasonable. But if oh. they if they make him angry, who knows what's gonna happen, right? Like
0: Oh, that's so good.
1: And so he just runs everything. He's not even like a big he's just a big he's not a beefy goblin, but you know, like he's a goblin, he's got power, so people respect him.
0: I think you know, and having whatever interaction be, you know, like you said, these NPCs that have carved out their place in the world and showing, and, you know, and Im- immediately it shows that, that that goblin and goblins can be much more than just fodder.
1: Exactly. But there's there is nothing wrong with using them as fodder. I will uh, say green. right now, like, yeah. So, so, the plain and simple fact is they're some of the most easiest, basic, because, Everyone knows them. So if you're a brand-new DM or you're a brand-new player, dive right into those goblins and just hack and slash because you need to learn, and that's the best way. And as you go, your players will create scenarios where it'll be like, man, I had one 8-year-old look at me one day and go, well, we can't steal this stuff because it's not ours. And the rest of the players around her are like, it's loot. She goes, yeah, but it's not ours, so we can't have it. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. yeah." I want to make sure he's not dead, okay? what <laughs> like that's no not that's, today yeah it's so good so it was like okay you just made a friend like perfect yeah. now a goblin even if it's evil is gonna have an ally with her
0: mm-hmm.
1: at the very least like backup right
0: so in the lost minds of Fandelver, there are several goblins yep. and one will help the party And, I mean, that's obviously a lot of the things that you you want to do with this, you're going to need to take cues from the people at your table. But they, my players, for whatever reason, liked him. And they named him Mugmerch. Nice, good name. And then I basically gave Mug Mug Mugmerch Stockholm Syndrome. And he just wanted to stay with them. But what's funny is they had picked him up before the module said that the other one would help them. So mug merch did not appreciate that and i actually had him kill the other one that was trying to help the party because he's like no no you can't take my spot in this situation right, right, right. and that, that actually went on and you know and they were trying to actually teach him and train him and do do things with him so eventually i allowed one player to train him enough to give him as you know, and as they leveled up almost like a henchman and give him a level of fighter
1: nice that's cool
0: and so you know Allowing that connection, and again, mug merch to be much more uh, than just a simple goblin that would probably die in the first fight, right?
1: Especially what if they were going to Pendelver, they were by the time they met him, level two, three,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So he would have one hit it. You could one hit oh, a yeah. goblin at level two, right? So, you know, that's a bit of a tangent, but I would say that about goblins: never be afraid to make them tougher than they are in the book. I'll tell you what, if you have a bunch of experienced players and you have a goblin that comes out and takes two or three hits from a fighter and stays standing, it'll scare the bejesus out of them. And that's fun. (laughs) Well,
0: and I think that was probably the line that stuck out the most when I reread the entry was that the cast system is very structured and some goblins basically are afraid of their own shadows and others are the ones that are at the top and they are terrifying you betcha so it essentially presented this idea that your party runs up on this group of goblins like 12 of them just scattered to the wind so maybe your party's like okay yeah we're awesome we got shiny we got shiny armor on they know what's up and then out of nowhere two or three absolutely beast goblins jump out of the trees and start hacking the party apart
1: yeah that's pretty much exactly what happens but yeah just use it and scare them is is kind of like my best but I don't mean use it and scare them. You know what the best way to do it is use a monster, and, and for goblins especially, bugbears ha- ha- and hobgoblins even, you can use and abuse that, t- that cast system, um, but when it comes to hit points, you use them as many rounds as you need them. Don't worry about the actual number. Write it down. Let the players know that you're doing damage. And some of them kill off with like the nine hits that they have, right? But if you need a couple hits to get in... Let them survive a couple rounds. Yeah.
0: So the other thing I do with goblins and sometimes the smaller creatures is I kind of make them a swarm, essentially more of a shared health pool. And that when I get to X number, it's over. That's minions. But until yeah, until X number, they're all still there. Yeah,
1: that's minions with um, Star Wars. Essentially, does that Star Wars Ooh. Edge of the Empire? You have um, you can have a set of three minions in a group. And as you whittle down, you're knocking one off at a time. But they work together collectively. So okay. they start at, say, 15 hit points. And every five, you lose skill ranks. It's a different system. So it's a, it yeah, works yeah. a bit differently. But but all three are still there, still shooting, right? And then eventually you okay. take them down. That's a great way to do it.
0: Yeah. It's, well, Then like you said, because yeah, then that can give you that ebb and flow, especially when you're in combat of what you need these goblins to do.
1: And it, yeah, it's it's there to help you get your goal as a as a as a dungeon master, game master. Whether you're playing Pathfinder fifth second, it doesn't it's, you know it's, it doesn't matter where you're using the goblins. If, if you need them to survive if you need a point to be made with the combat, which is why you should have all the combat, then then make sure they survive long enough to do it.
0: The the other thing that I thought of, and because I. I have a tendency to run people that haven't played before in the Lost Mines of Phandelver because it's a really Great well adventure. done. Yeah. It's, it's a really well done module. So the first time they encountered goblins in there, I put it on the players because the tribe is so important. I said, what does it look like? What symbol do you find? Oh yeah. And, and so it was like, uh, it was a, like a black cockroach, like set on like a red background. And so then I I was like, Yep, yeah, perfect. That's exactly. They're part of the cockroach clan. And when we came back the next session, I had that drawn up. And so I could actually show the players. And I think allowing those pieces to help develop the goblins and make it more real is really important.
1: Well, it helps uh, helps you immerse the players and it helps them treat the goblins like now they might not want to kill them all because they have ownership.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's when they went into that first cave, then they started to have more conversations with them rather than just possibly Herder, hobo. Yep, go back to the bag the bag of hit points mentality. But now it's like, oh, these are the, the cockroach clan. Oh, okay. So you are kind of under the thumb of this other creature. Maybe we feel bad for you.
1: Maybe we can help you. Maybe you work <clears throat> for us instead. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, I had new players. They went dark real fast. <laughs> yeah. It's like guys, uh, well, I mean, if this is what we're gonna do, <laughs> well, so here's here's
1: there's something for you. What happens to the goblins when the players go so dark that the goblins become the good guys?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and is that? I mean, I I kind of put it back. Is that how you approach when you're making your modules? Is that I mean, is it that goblins no. exist or that it's in a gray area?
1: Kind of in a gray area, but my goblins, my goblins are up to the players. I just set the scenarios, and then the players and the DM at each table will decide how good and or bad they are. I don't really try and judge with that, because um, I, I, I was never a fan of alignment, even in second and third. I really loved what Eberron did with alignment, kind of broke it, it's because moral gray area is always subjective when it comes to certain things, right? We always say killing is wrong, but how many wars are going on right now? And everyone's like, oh yeah, it's a war. Yeah. Right? So um but we never brought that into D D. So I like that that is now part of D and D. So I tried to make sure that my goblins are kinda like that. So the next adventure is one of my favorites, and and I'll actually send you a copy when it's done. Yes. Of but uh yeah, it's it's uh it's really sweet. Um it'll bring this whole question of good and bad into complete like it literally plays with
0: that. Yes, I love that. So I've, we've done a lot of it, but the other thing I was thinking is, are there specific adventures or encounters or NPCs, PCs, villains um, that we can toss out to people to kind of get their inspiration going? So I'll kick it off because – so I run a game for Don't Split the Podcast Network. And I don't know how I stumbled into this, but it's Dan Dillon, Rich Howard, Lisa Chin, and Celeste Conowich. And we're all in Undermountain. And I threw it out there. I was like, "You guys can go as crazy as you want." So, Lisa is a goblin, or no? Lisa is a kobold, and Dan is a goblin.
1: Nice.
0: And so, I'll use Dan's goblin as a really good example of, uh, oh, you know, just one way someone could approach it. So, Tilvig is a battlemaster warrior who essentially wants to dethrone MacGlobiet because he doesn't like that the goblins don't have the choices that he thinks they should have. And the ultimate quest is basically to do that, and I think I've given them the opportunity to do so, if they so choose, to fight Mugloobiet, um, because they are a very high level.
1: Well, that'll be actually kind of fun. I would love yeah. to see what monster you're using for Mugloobiet.
0: Yes. So I've been making that um, on my own, and it's been a lot of fun to do that much research and figure out how other people approach deities. Okay. And, well, they they all know this, so I will share this with you on the air. We could always so cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So one of the other things is um, I'm actually going to allow them to set the stage and create their own layer actions because they are going to summon maglubiat to them. So then, essentially, they have the layer actions.
1: Oh, cool! I like that. Layer at layer at twenty, or layer at? you still do layer at initiative twenty.
0: Yeah, and so then they would have to, as a group, decide what layer action that they would use each round.
1: Cool. And only one of them gets to choose in a round.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can only choose the one, and what would it be, and why, and stuff like
1: that. That's yep. Sweet. I dig that.
0: So, what about you? What are some goblin ideas?
1: Mm, goblin ideas. Um, so, definitely Kurtz. He's one of my favorites. He, he came from a goblin I created. I, I didn't even have a name, I just called him the Godfather.
0: I literally had a
1: Godfathered Goblin. He was just like, he was so like. You come today on me at this today day of Papa Dada's wedding. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and he, he was a lot of fun. That, uh, and then he evolved from him into like Kurtz, who's more of like, you know, hey, come on, what are you doing? Like, get out of my way, man. Don't make me get my bugbear. He'll piss you off. He'll bite you.
0: <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, and it goes back to the goblin thing of, as long as there is the perception that one is stronger, you know the bugbears will absolutely listen to Kurtz.
1: exactly, and and it's not even stronger. It's just the bugbears aren't power. He's not as he's smarter than them, or maybe he has an item. My favorite, my favorite use of a goblin is when they have that. Like, oh, I know one. Okay, so in in my first season of Loose Ends, in one of the early early episodes that I don't know if it even aired because it was when they we were trying to figure out how to podcast properly. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah. So we had a goblin the, the the players had to go into a players had to go into like find find three crystals. And on their way in, they found a on the way out, they found a goblin who had been left for dead uh by his own tribe because mm. because he was weak. So the players uh or betrayed him or I can't remember what happened with him to be honest. But the players players had to decide are we going to kill this guy or are we going to give him his one gemstone out of the three we found that he's asking for so that he can start his own nation in peace Mm. so you literally have a conundrum where you have a goblin looking at a player going i want the same thing you do will you help me attain it Ooh! yes
0: moral decisions
1: yeah and they did and he created gronkton his name is his name was Gronk.
0: He made Gronkton.
1: He made Gronkton. Yes. Yeah, his his uh, his mayor forever, because goblins don't do elections.
0: <laughs> yep. Duh. Oh, that's so good.
1: Yeah, I actually really like Gronk. He'll probably be back in my in my season two. Yes. Series two. Yeah.
0: Have to have to trade with Gronkton for some reason.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna put Dr- Gronkton in Dargoon. It'll
0: or in, okay. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, and Dargoon, and and they're just gonna have to like go there and and meet him again. Then the it'll be that met, meta niceness, right?
0: Yeah, Oh, that's good. So the the one I don't know why that kind of made me think of it, but adding goblins that are more World of Warcraft style is something I like doing because then that's that's a quick way to elevate what they can do is because they blow up. And you know oh. the goblin that would have normally stabbed you for you know let's say one d six now is just going to blow up and do like sixty six because why not? Oh yeah.
1: So you know what that actually reminds me. You can to do that. How do you do that in this game? And fifth, how would you do that? There's a really easy way. I'm just curious how you would.
0: Oh, I I mean my thought would be to like repur- repurpose spells um, and like their their damage levels and stuff like that. What do you got? Use a mud method.
1: Oh, okay. You just reskin it. Everything. Yeah. Everything in that book. Everything in that book can be a goblin. Yes. So you could literally use your goblin deity as a as a ancient gold dragon.
0: Yeah. Hey, don't tell my secrets. <laughs> Get out of here.
1: <laughs> How dare you? But no, a goblin that blows up is perfect, right? You can skin anything. So, like okay, fine, maybe not a hydra goblin, but that would be amazing. I'm going to make a hydra goblin. I'm, yes. that's gonna happen i don't know
0: yeah write that down write that down Er cut this cut this yeah, beep. Kiss, beep. <laughs> i'm gonna make a <laughs> <beep>. <laughs> but no i mean yeah reskinning is the perv- is an absolutely perfect way to do it and i mean and going you know, also going you know, to make it easier looking at things that are higher level that are already basically humanoids i mean that's gonna you know, not probably be as hard to skin those but like you said reskinning a dragon I mean, there's absolutely no reason why not in figuring out what that breath weapon looks like. I mean, magic. like It's, it's as simple as that. I mean, that's the funny thing is you could have, I, well, okay, again, I find this funny. My players probably would not laugh. And you have just a normal everyday goblin who lets out the breath of an ancient red.
1: Well, yeah, okay. So what would happen now with that goblin? Like, where'd the magic come from? This is one of my favorite parts about goblins. So if you have Bolo's guide, dive into the goblin section, because there's lots and lots of fun in there for that. Um, And I actually recommend getting Volo's Guide for the goblins. Everyone else was like, oh, mind flayers. I'm like, no, goblins, look at them. It was amazing. And uh, every time a goblin in my game casts a spell that's anything but divine, they roll on a wild magic type. Yes. So, so you can do it one of two ways. You can do it in the way that they roll wild magic automatically, so they roll that d100. Oh But, okay,
0: yeah.
1: but what we do is to make it a little bit less um, chaotic. Every time anyone casts an arcane spell, so that's all classes. Yeah. So the only one who's safe is the paladin and the cleric, and only uh. and only the paladin if it doesn't save divine on the spell list
0: oh okay yeah yeah
1: oh yeah like i get hardcore with it but you got to roll an extra d20 if you roll that one wild magic goes off because goblins don't get magic right
0: yeah well and then that's the same way i would think with technology it, i mean i almost would want them to you know they have a gun or they have you know something akin to a gun but because there's some element of magic still like rolling the wild magic table and like they shoot the gun off but something else happens
1: well, yeah. Okay, so the goblins, in, in goblins and Galleons, that's the stream that we start next week, actually. Ooh, nice. It's an Eberron Goblin game. It's the one that I was telling you about with Kurtz. Yeah. So the guys, they got Kurtz, Kurtz got them to work for them because they wanted a ship. They wanted to modify oh, okay, their ship. Okay. So they came in on that old sailing ship that had been beaten up, and they were like, we need weapons, we need stuff. So they literally paid, they, they are indebted for over 30,000 gold. oh yeah it ain't cheap yeah (laughs) and they modified a shark turtle that they had killed in their early game into their masthead and they turned it into a batting ram yes and then they've mounted a catapult on the front of the ship so they can launch themselves as weapons onto the coming ships right as you would yeah like that's so perfect. I've given them an extra surprise, but I'm not telling anyone what it is. You have to watch the stream to figure it out. Perfect. But it's so good. It's going to be amazing. And they named it the Myrtle because of the turtle that they killed. They killed a snapping oh, yeah. turtle. Oh, yeah. So they called the ship the Myrtle. The Myrtle. They even have a bunch of pirates working for them. They tried to, oh. they tried to kill the pirates <laughs> and then save them from a dinosaur attack. So the pirates are like, "Yar, we be working for you now.
0: Oh, uh, well, yeah. Pirate, the classic pirate loyalty, <laughs> as well it should be.
1: It's awesome.
0: Oh, that's so good. I love I love that one. So I think we've we've tackled quite a bit of goblin th- lore and all kinds of things. Is there any kind of final piece you want to leave people with about goblins and putting them in their homebrew worlds? And just, like I said, shining a better light so that they're not a bag of hit points.
1: Goblins can do anything that any other class can. One of my favorite memes is like the GM won't give the goblin class levels, but I can. That's how you got to look at it from a GM point of stand. GM point of view, because realistically when it comes to it, yes, they're just another monster, and if you need them to be just a bag of hit points, truly feel free to do that. But if you want to really throw the players, especially the ones who are there for a long time, or the ones who are like, I love Lord of the Rings, and you turn goblins into, well, even Lord of the Rings, goblins had a couple lines. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, I mean, even in Lord of the Rings, they weren't just a bag hit points. So you've got to kind of try and not have to. It helps you flesh out your world and make it more fun for you when you have a character who you can play that can't railroad the parents. Mm. So you can never play a goblin NPC that will become a babysitter. Yeah. Right? Like they just, they would never let it happen. But now you can play
0: Mm. and you can run monsters. I don't know that I have anything better than that. (laughs) But I, yeah, I guess my thing would be definitely. Lean in, and I mentioned it before, but definitely lean into what your players want to do with it. Give them the hooks, give them the tools, but see what they're willing to build with this new, different version of Goblins.
1: Exactly. And and they can work in any system.
0: So, I have an even more important question. Do it. And that is, where can people go to find everything you're doing on the internet?
1: The GM Tim on all social medias. Uh, T-H-E-G-M-T-I-M. I'm Mm. on... YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. There's a Facebook page. Yeah. Or come to Vancouver and play a game with me. I do quests and queers at Storm Crow Tavern once a month. I'm doing D&D drag shows now. I have, oh, I have permission from Matt Baum, who's in Seattle and does uh, Queens of Adventure. We're doing fierce adventures in Vancouver, so we got blessings from the, the nice. guru themselves. And,
0: yep. Yeah. Just <laughs> go online or literally... Beat the streets of Vancouver and shout GM Tim. He'll find you.
1: Do that. I want to see him.
0: Awesome. But Tim, thanks again for coming on and sharing your knowledge with us.
1: GM Neil, it's always a pleasure.
0: But they've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? i am dying to talk about the mail with you all day, okay?
2: Welcome back to another segment of the Mailbag of Holding, the place where we look at ideas, stories, and questions from you, the listener. Today we have an email from Future DM Bruce, and Future DM Bruce writes in, and he gives us a really cool idea. He does say that this is not a, he says that this is a real life story about a detective. He says it's not something that he made up, but not sure where the original source material is from this. But it's a great idea nonetheless, so let's talk about it. Let's see what Neil, let's see what we think about this idea. He basically brings up this idea of there being a an NPC in your game. This game that he's kind of laying out would be more of a noir-type game. And there is a detective that's on the case of this criminal he sets up the criminal to be a like a serial killer someone who is committing crime after crime after crime murder after, murder after murder after murder and this detective is like really good at his job so he's the only one that's able to really piece together the trail that this serial killer is leaving and so you have this NPC character but then it turns out that this NPC has multiple personalities and at night, he is no longer his detective self but he's turning into this serial killer he's the one committing the crimes and thus this is also part of the reason why he's able to piece together and really figure out exactly how it is that these crimes are being committed when he comes across the clues and he lays it out that you know this npc can be captured and he tur- he turns himself in and then because of that, he spends his days as a detective and his nights locked in a jail cell because he would be out killing. But I thought this was a really cool idea for a twist. Like, you could have this be an NPC that's helping your characters along the way, figuring out certain clues, telling them about this this criminal and telling them all the clues and uh, trying to help them help him figure these clues out. And then in the end, it is... That NPC that's been helping you the entire time, unbeknownst to them.
0: Well, I like the idea too of almost not choosing exactly which NPC it would be, because sometimes it's difficult to convince your, you know, convince your players like it needs to be this person. So almost having that as like a framework for whoever they latch onto, like mm-hmm. you can tell they're drawn to this person, right? Mean, now it sounds more evil now that I've said it out <laughs> out loud, but like they pick this NPC, so you make it about that NPC rather than, you know, let's say you choose this druid, but then your players never go to the woods. Yeah. So I would definitely, you know, have that story ready for whoever they feel is the most important NPC to them and twist that around on them. And make that NP MP- but take that and make that NPC more important.
2: You could certainly yeah, you could certainly have a couple of NPCs that are helping the players along and then the one that they maybe even just the one depending on how tragic you want the story to be the one that they connect the most with and and find the deepest relationship yeah. with yeah that's the one that it turns out and then that's that's a huge moral issue that you're throwing out to your players as well well this person this character has multiple personalities and the one personality is good and wants to bring this criminal to justice and then it turns out he is the criminal, or she is the criminal.
0: Yeah, and I would also not want to make it as cut and dry as you know, in the watered down concept of you know the best detective, the the most good person that has ever existed, and the most vile evil in the dark mm-hmm. shadows. But another topic they brought up was maybe both of them have families, but because they're living these two mm-hmm. separate lives, you know, and it could come about that you know these people are really worried that you know and after this person's locked in their jail cell, we can't find our father. Or our husband anymore. And so making it, you know, ratcheting the moral (laughs) dilemma even farther up.
2: Well, it could even be that the the serial killer personality is going around and knocking off people who were criminals but were freed for some reason or got off scot-free and, like, didn't have to pay a crime. And these are all criminals that this detective has dealt with in his past, and he's starting to see these clues but he's unsure why it's all connected. That would be the reasoning why.
0: And another, and I'm not sure exactly when we got this email, but another really good example of that in current media would be if you watch daredevil season three. Mm. So there you go.
2: Boom. So thank you so much for that email. Future DM Bruce. I hope that now at this point that we're reading this email on air, that we could just call you DM Bruce that you've been playing that you've been DMing, but thank you so much for writing
0: in with that awesome idea. Yes, thank you. So we just want to thank GM Tim again for coming and stopping by and talking to us all about goblins. If you wanted to get a hold of us and tell us about how you've put goblins into your games, you can always head over and email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And of course, if you like this episode and any of the other ones that saw fit. Head on over to iTunes where you can give us a five-star review, which we'll read on air. You can always follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. Or you can like us on Facebook to catch all of our updates and memes and all kinds of random stuff that we post. And this week's Patreon shout out goes to Jason DeBruin, who is none other than a bronze dragon tearing it up. So thank you, Jason, for that, and thank you to all of our patrons. As always, the Dungeon Master's Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like Geek Wars, Detentions of Dragons, and Dungeons of Dragons and Daughters, and more. And again, we just want to thank you for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, Killing characters and lowering the egos of all of the people at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night and good luck. And keep on Dungeon Mastering. Goodbye.